You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Welcome to the Doctor's Lounge. This is your host, Dr. Mike Karuchak. Thanks very much for joining us this morning. The Doctor's Lounge comes to you every Thursday morning on America's Web Radio and is available by podcast on iTunes uh, anytime that you would like. It's your convenience. Uh, we are proud to say that thanks to David Moxley and the support of America's Web Radio, we're now up to about 25,000 podcast downloads per month. Uh, we are grateful to America's Web Radio and David, but we are even more grateful to you, the listener, uh, for your support. The Doctor's Lounge is sponsored by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. We are a 501c3 organization. Uh, we welcome and we are grateful for your tax-deductible donations, and we believe in free market approaches to the for solutions to the problems facing our, our health care system today. Uh, we believe in the empowerment of the doctor and the patient and the patient-doctor relationship, uh, which is the cornerstone of quality health care, regardless of what you may hear from proponents of uh, big government and big solutions and over-regulation. We are also proud to be uh, sponsored by the Heartland Institute, uh, and we have a wonderful partnership with them. Uh, we listened uh, and we support uh, their uh, publication called the Healthcare News. So if you listen to the Doctor's Lounge every week and read Healthcare News every month, uh, you will be up to date on what is going on with healthcare policy. Uh, we are pleased uh, to see the, uh, the the coming together of physicians uh, over health care policy issues. Doctors are beginning to find their voice together. Uh, we used to be sort of all scattered everywhere, and slowly we're coming together uh, and refining the message, uh, and, and it's working. Uh, that's the good news that it is working. Now, we've talked on this show in, in recent weeks, and I've talked on this show in recent weeks about uh, some regulation that's coming down called MACRA, which is going to drastically change how Medicare is paid for. It's going to drastically change how your doctor is going to care for you. And we have had the privilege uh, in about a month and a half ago of having the director of Medicare, the boss of Medicare, Andy Slavitt, had him on this very show, sharing this very microphone, and having a debate, a very spirited debate about MACRA. And as a result of all of this stuff that's happening, and obviously it's not just us, but we're a part of it, good things are beginning to happen. Now language is coming out of CMS that is thinking about delaying MACRA, thinking about lowering the bar that this uh, impossible regulation uh, creates. And so neat things are happening, and we're, we're happy and proud to be a part of that. And it shows that it works. Uh, this is not a hopeless effort. Uh, we are we are doing very well, and uh, and I'm very happy and grateful to be able to report that to you this morning. So we are in this general election year. This is the week that, of course, the Republican National Convention is on, and very soon we will see the Democratic National Convention. And so uh, it is reasonable that we are all, as a nation, focused on the national level, the national spotlight, and national issues. But there are some very, very important things going on that are not technically national issues. They, they actually are national issues, but they're, they're existing at the state level. And one of the biggest ones is a measure that is going to be on the November ballot in Colorado called Colorado Care, uh, which is the proposal of a single-payer health care system in Colorado. And this is a very significant uh, contest that is going to be going on. And to help me discuss that, we have the founder and, uh, and head of the Galen Institute, Grace Marie Turner. Uh, Grace Marie, thank you so much for joining us this morning. 
Dr. Karocek, it's so pleasure, such a pleasure to be with you and docs for patient care, and thank you for all you're doing. And I really do think that the information that CMS and, and now Congress also are getting about the impact of macro, particularly on the private practice of medicine, is having an impact. And I think the announcement they are um, thinking about, and I think when they say that, that means they likely will follow up with action, delaying the impact, particularly on private physician practices, is directly a result of the information you're providing because they, they can't afford to lose any more private physicians. Mike? No, and it's and it's just going to drive up the cost. It's going to drive physicians into large institutions to practice, and you know we all know what happens when that happens. The the then the hospitals charge higher rates, and uh, you know yeah. costs go up, uh, and you're going to see a, a mass exodus, I think, from Medicare as well if it goes through as planned. But happily, uh, it, it, it looks as as you're saying, and I'm saying that this it looks like it's it's trending away from that. At least it'll get delayed and give us more time to educate folks and study this, and and, and hopefully come up with the right thing by the time something goes live. But I think also your point about um, the national d- discussion over health reform, clearly at the Republican National Convention, speaker after speaker are pointing out the problems with Obamacare. But they, Paul Ryan, the Speaker Ryan, in his address on Tuesday night, I believe it was, gave um, a very, as detailed as you can from a podium like that, very um uh, clear discussion about the efforts in the House of Representatives to provide what he calls a better way. And the Republicans have come together around a replacement plan. They've been working most of this year on this plan. I've been working hard with many of the committee chairmen and staff in in helping to refine it. But there is a unified agreement about a Republican plan to replace Obamacare and also to do necessary reforms to Medicare and Medicaid. What you're likely to hear next week at the Democratic platform, um, at the the Democratic um, convention, based upon the platform that they have provided, is a call for a single um, public option health plan to give people the option of a government-run health plan to compete with private insurers. And it's just, it's almost impossible for plans to do that because the government basically has unlimited funds while private companies have to to attend to their bottom line. So that is really, it's really going to move toward their agenda of a single-payer system. In Colorado, at least, with their amendment 69 that will be on the ballot this fall, at least they're being honest about what they want to do. They want the government to run the whole thing. Indeed, and and uh, you got to wonder what it is that they're thinking. You know, they made some reference in this debate that you were in. I think uh, why don't you tell everybody about this um, discussion that you uh, were at that was hosted by the Steamboat Institute, and uh, give a few remarks about that, and then I'll I'll play the first of the the sound bites I recorded from that and give you a chance to respond to those just like you did when it was live. The um, thank you the. Uh, um, ballot initiative this fall basically outlines how all of the everybody in Colorado that is not on Medicare, although they would like to do that later, will be under one health plan and it's government elected representatives eventually 
that will make decisions about how $25 billion will be spent every year on physician care, hospitals, pharmaceuticals, and they're saying that they will basically cover it through a fee, a tax, of course, that will replace the premiums that people are paying now. They're out of pockets, they're deductibles, and they're basically saying people will be able to get any health care they want anywhere, anytime, without all the bureaucracy that you currently have. So that's, that's their promise. We had three debates around Colorado, one in Denver, one in Steamboat Springs, and one in Grand Junction, sponsored by the um, Independence Institute and the Steamboat Springs Institute, on whose board I serve, to really have a clear debate about the pros and cons of this plan. And this will be not just a ballot initiative. This is going to be an amendment to the Constitution of the state of Colorado. They do this. It's going to be very, very difficult to undo it. But it would, it would really turn Colorado into a single-payer, government-run health care system, much like the United Kingdom or um, Canada or others that the government government officials basically make the decisions about about access to care and spending on care. So I'm going to go ahead and play. This is the first of the sound bites, and this was this debate was set up in such a way that you guys got what three minutes, and they got three minutes, and then there was a three minute kind of back and forth over two rounds. So this is the first of their introductory remarks, and uh, and I'll, I'm just going to play this uh, briefly, and then we'll let you get started on that. We'll probably have to play it again in the second segment because we're coming up on the end. But here we go. This November. We are going to be faced with the stark choice about health care arrangements in our state, and there are only two choices. Uh, there is, on the ballot in November, there is no perfect, cheap, simple, market-based plan. If we had that, we'd all vote for it. What we have is a choice between a new way to do health care in Colorado. We call it Colorado Care. It's a plan governed in Colorado, covers everybody, saves billions. My colleague Owen will tell you about it. If you vote no on Colorado Care, well, then you're making a choice for the status quo. And the status quo is Obamacare and out-of-state insurance companies dictating the terms of health care in our state. I just want to make that clear. If you vote no on Colorado Care, you're voting for Obamacare, which is what we're stuck with today. Now, <laughs> So how many deceptions how many ironies can you fit into one minute of speech is crazy and and these these debates went on for an hour and a half each time so yeah crazy. i mean the the deception and i actually used the line from nancy pelosi i said remember when she said um well we had to pass the bill to find out what's in it i said you know guys are you going to go through that again look at all the promises that were made for obamacare that you're going to save twenty five hundred dollars a year on your premiums that you can keep your doctor you can keep your health plan they they say whatever it takes to get the legislation in place and saying oh sorry we really don't mean that and they did this over and over and also completely ignoring the fact that there are dozens of Republican plans to replace Obamacare, and he, in one of the debates, he put us in the position of saying that we were supporting Obamacare, and I said, you know, people have said a lot of things about my work, but nobody has ever said, I support Obamacare. We literally wrote the book. 
why Obamacare is wrong for America. You can't say we're there are two choices. The third choice is get us back on the right path, on the right path for doctors and patients to be in charge of healthcare decisions and not bureaucrats. Well, this I'm always struck, Grace Marie, by the intellectual shell game that they play, and and I don't care if it's the shell game where they try to replace the cost access argument with the quality value argument, or in this case where they're playing a shell game and saying, well, Obamacare's bad, we need to get rid of it, we need to replace it, without telling you that the replacement is actually, I think as you said during the debate, it's really just Obamacare on steroids. And so you, you've got this, this, I call it a shell game, where they, they're, they're billing it as one thing when really it's something else. And they're saying, well, if you don't like Obamacare, we need to move on to this single-payer plan. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. It, it's not something different. It's, it's exactly the same thing. But it's amazing how these folks, with a, with a straight face, because I can't believe that they don't understand what they're peddling, but that they can get up in front of a debate audience like this and and make these assertions and make it sound like they're they're coming up with an alternative to Obamacare when in fact, as as many people believe, Obamacare is just a setup to create single payer across the country. That's right, and it and it's exactly right that the, what they're proposing, the single payer Colorado care system, is Obamacare on steroids, and. But it's important to look at the fact that they are basically saying Obamacare doesn't work. And Colorado, remember, is one of the states that went all in for Obamacare. They set up their own exchange. They are doing everything they can to try to to, to have government control as much as they can of the health sector. And they're saying that's not working. We need more of that. And there are people in Colorado who are listening to them and sort of believing this utopia. If we just get health insurance companies out of the mix, if we just get the bureaucracy out, and I pointed out, who do you think you're going to get to make sure that that service was provided and that the doctor or the hospital is billing for what what the patient received? And who's I'm going to stop you mid sentence here. We're at, we're at the end of the segment. We'll we'll pick it up uh, at the beginning of segment two. You are listening to the Doctors Lounge on America's Web Radio with special guest Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. 
Welcome back. You are listening to the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. Uh, this is your host, Dr. Mike Karuchak. Thanks very much for being with us today. We are in segment two, and we have special guest Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. And we are talking about, um, despite the attention at the national level now with the Republican and the Democratic National Conventions, uh, Republican going now, Democrat next week, uh, that everything's sort of focused at the national level, but on the ballot – in November, in many states, Colorado included, which we're talking about today, there are state-level votes going on that are extremely important regarding the direction this country is going to take regarding how we design our health care system. And in Colorado in particular, there is a measure called Colorado Care, which is a proposed single-payer system. And my guest, Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute, participated in a series of debates in Colorado, and we were talking about those. So, Grace, I think I had to cut you off mid-sentence to get the uh, se- the hard break right, so sorry about that. But you were in the middle of sort of talking about all of these you know, emotionally driven but intellectually empty promises that these folks make with no way to deliver. That's right. They're basically saying that everybody is going to be able to have all the care they want from anyone they want, anytime they want, and it's all just going to be wonderful utopian sweetness and light without any regard whatsoever for the fact that when the government gets involved, the bureaucracy doubles or triples, and people wind up, as we see in other countries, you wind up with rationing by waiting lines, you wind up with doctors and hospitals paid so little that many of them can't stay in business, that you wind up with um, serious compromises in access to care, and particularly new medicines and, and, and access to surgery in a timely way. But they just seem to think that there's plenty of money in the system if we just have citizens controlling this and not government. But, of course, it is ultimately government because these are elected officials that will be apart from the state legislature, apart from the state government. You're going to have a new panel of 21 elected um, representatives on this new Colorado Care Board to decide how $25 billion a year is going to be spent on health care in Colorado. Well, you made some remarks during the debate about how this board is structured and when they can vote and that they have a, a huge amount of power and no accountability to sort of raise taxes whenever they want. Um, can you go into some of the details of that so people have a full understanding? Well, initially, actually, the, the board of citizens will be appointed, so the, the, the actual structure of this will be set up by 15 people who basically are, you know, who knows who they're going to be that are going to set up this program that spends more than the rest of the whole Colorado State Legislature combined, of people who've been elected through, um, you know, detailed um, interviews with the voters over years, and then after that gets set up, then they'll hold elections and eventually three people from each of Colorado's seven congressional districts. And I pointed out, you know, these, they're going to be elected. Why do you think they're going to be any less political than the state legislators that they seem to want to replace? But it's, it's, it is a really, it's a frighteningly difficult structure. And Linda Gorman from the Independence Institute, who was my partner in these debates, pointed out that they basically have unlimited taxing power with the only the only recourse is being able to 
every time that they're uh, they're before the voters in their staggered terms every four years, uh, be able to throw them out. But it's going to be somebody else who says, well, you know, we can provide you more and make more empty promises. So, but, you know, the, the tax structure that, that is going into this, I mean, this is, they're taxing everything, if I understand what you guys said in the debate correctly. This isn't just an income tax. This isn't just a payroll tax. I mean, every penny that makes it into your pocket or tries to make its way into your pocket, whether it's through the sale of your house or investment income or interest income, uh, you know, but there's there's not a way. I mean, it sounds like, you know, if you pick up a penny off the street that you found, they're going to tax that too. Well, and they, they're saying, oh, don't worry, we're only taxing the rich. Well, when, they're, when the rich don't really have enough money and they start to leave the state, then guess who's really going to be paying for it? The same people who pay all the time, and that's the, the middle-income people. And actually, we had people come up to us after the debate who said, you know, I moved to Colorado because it's a beautiful state, and I just, you know, we were retiring here. We never would have come here if we would have understood the threat to basically their livelihood from from this law. So they're going to wind up having, they're going to have flight of the people, the very people that they plan to tax in order to pay for this. Well, and that's, you touch on another one of these shell game concepts, which is that they they make these assertions and they make these calculations based on the assumption that no one's behavior is going to change. That when they tax the evil rich, the the evil one percent, that that everyone is just going to sit there and pay the taxes. And we know that you know anytime you tax something, you get less of it. So if you tax payroll, you get less of that, right? Less jobs. If you tax income, you're going to get less income. And if you tax rich people, however you define that, you're going to have fewer of them as well. So what is it about these folks that they can't figure out that, that human beings respond to their surroundings, and if you change the surroundings, you change the behavior, and that you know they're not going to be able to raise the revenue they say they're going to raise. That's exactly right. And actually, Vermont actually went through a similar exercise, deciding that they were going to be the first state to have a government-run single-payer health care system. But they actually did it in a more methodical way, a two-year study on this, and finally, it became a huge issue in their gubernatorial debate, and the Democratic governor was nearly defeated over this, who was the, you know, one of the strong proponents of a government-run health care system for a single-payer system for Vermont. But Governor Shumlin um, said in pulling the plug on this that the risk of economic shock is too high from the taxes that will be required to pay for a single-payer health care system. They realized that businesses were going to leave, to your point, Mike, that people were going to, to change their their income in such a way that they didn't have the income that would be therefore taxed. They seemed to have no understanding of the economic shock that this would create by having this new system of much heavier taxes um, that would have to pay for this single-payer system. Well, it just, it, it strikes me every time I listen to this stuff, they, they always seem to present this as a binary choice, right? It's either their way or the highway. And if you don't buy into their way, then they play the shell game of, of disagreeing with intent as opposed to disagreeing with method. So if you go in front of these folks and you say, you know, I don't think a single-payer system in any state, Colorado included, 
is a good idea. And then they play the shell game and say, well, that must mean that, that because you disagree with the method, you must disagree with the intent. So therefore, it's not that you think, it's not that you agree we need to cover uninsured. It's not that we agree that, that costs need to be lowered. But if we don't like their idea, we must think no costs are fine and that we don't care about the uninsured. I mean, they, they play this shell game substituting a disagreement regarding method with a disagreement regarding the problem itself. You know, and, and I, I started out my, my remarks each time by saying, you know, let's just make a few things clear that we all agree on. There are problems in the health sector that we need to be that we need to solve. Neither side believes that Obamacare is the best we can do. But we have to protect the most vulnerable, and we want to make sure that people have access to the care they need and the financial protection that they must have from from medical bills they can't afford. So let's start with that. But that Obamacare is not the only solution. That we have better ideas, a better way to be able to move forward, and it's not an either or the status quo or a single-payer system that T.R. Reid was trying to set up that is a false choice. Well, and they, but they always try to box in the narrative uh, and, and say that if you don't like their thing, then you must like the status quo. I mean, that was, that was T.R. Reid's clear thing. And, and in the soundbite we played, he said that at least two or three times to say that if you, if you vote no on our little idea here, if you don't, you know, take what we're trying to shove down your throat and just, you know, eat it and be happy with it, then you must like Obamacare and, and, or you must like the evil insurance companies that he asserted were from out of state when in fact I think your partner who was, who was doing this, uh, you Linda know. Linda Gorman. Yeah, Linda Gorman corrected them and said, well, no, there's actually at least one plan that's completely in state and actually the funds all stay in the state. But, you know, again, they're. Well, the fall, the funds stay in the state anyway because they're paying doctors and hospitals and laboratories and pharmacists in the state. So this is such a, it's just, all of his arguments were so, so many of them were false. So, and speaking of docs, which is obviously near and dear to my heart here, um, what do they think that docs are going to do when, and, and I remember this, he said that, that doctors will be happy. I almost like fell out of my chair when I heard this. That doctors will be happy when everybody that walks through the door is getting paid the same rate, so they don't have to worry about seeking a payer mix that's going to be good for them financially. That that it's going to be a great thing because everybody is the same rate. And I'm saying, but you're not saying what that rate is. I mean, I think that rate's probably going to be. It, it's going to make Medicaid look good if I understand them correctly. And of course, they're not ever going to talk about that up front. But one of the ways that other government-run healthcare systems and, and other parts of the world try to in any way keep their their programs financially solvent is by paying doctors and hospitals so much less. Hospitals do not have the resources to to buy new technologies to in, to improve their infrastructure and particularly uh, physicians are paid so little that you're right. It would probably very likely make Medicaid look right. And one of the things we pointed out with all the promises they were making that people won't have any deductible, they'll have no copayment, they'll have no premium and and they'll be able to see any doctor they want. What plan does that sound like to you? They're saying (laughs) Medicare for all? No, it's Medicaid. They want Medicaid for all. Are they requiring, because I don't remember this being mentioned in the debate or not, and I didn't have a chance to research it, but I think if you're going to stay licensed in Colorado, you have to take this plan because there's really no way to take anything else. 
Well, they do say, like Medicare, that you don't have to you don't have to participate in this plan, but everybody will be under it. So, who, what, where are your patients going to be? If the health insurance companies flee, there will be no private health, and they will flee. There will be no private health insurance in the state. People won't be able to have that protection. So, there there will be no customer base. There will be no patients available for anyone who says, well, I don't want to be in Colorado Care. And one of the questions I asked the audience, I said, what happens if you decide you don't like this plan, you don't like the Colorado Care Insurance, after the whole system has been turned upside down and your private job-based insurance is gone, your uh, private um, plan that you have right now on your own is gone, you may not like Obamacare, but it, you may say that is better than this government-run health care system. And then where are you going to go? You're going to have to move to another state. Yeah, you're nowhere. <laughs> well, and the good news is your doctor probably moved out of state too. So right, you can, right. you know, that's yeah, that's it. You can probably figure out. Mexico. Well, yeah, and that's that's uh, well, heck, you just go across the border to somewhere else that doesn't have this this single payer thing. Uh, Grace Marie, we're at the end of segment two. Uh, you are listening to the Doctors Lounge on America's Web Radio with special guest Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back. You are in the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. This is your host, Dr. Mike Karuchak. We are beginning segment three. Thanks so much for being with us today. With me is special guest Grace Marie Turner, founder of the Galen Institute, and we have been discussing a very important, very crucial measure that it will be on the ballot in November in Colorado. You know, everyone is focused on the national issues, of course, uh, but there's a variety of statewide issues going on that will be on state ballots in November, and in Colorado, this will be among the most important. Uh, this is 
uh, I don't, is it Proposition 69 or Measure 69? I guess it's an amendment to it's the Constitution. Yeah, right. It is it's a amendment constitutional 69. amendment to the Colorado State Constitution that will create a single-payer system in Colorado. And Grace Marie, as you were saying, you know, once you flip the switch on this thing, if you decide you don't like it very much, I don't think there's an easy way to go back through that door. That's right. And think of the physicians who will have invested hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe even millions of dollars, in establishing their practices in an otherwise prosperous state. I mean, Colorado has a lot of high-tech companies, a big financial services sector, a strong agricultural sector, a strong tourism sector with all of the skiing and, and um, beautiful mountains and the sports in that area. Oh, yeah. So people would say, I love this state. But I can't stay here because I cannot tolerate this single-payer government-run health care system. And, and I think even and, – and there was some disagreement on this point, and I don't remember exactly how it turned out. But uh, I think somebody said that if you go outside of Colorado – to get care. Let's say you're traveling. I mean, not necessarily to leave in particular to get care, but let's say you're visiting family in New York and you get sick. I don't know if Colorado Care covers you out there or not. That was one of the questions. And what are we going to do? Oh, don't worry. I mean, what are their promises? Their promises are all, don't worry, we'll take care of that. Just like Hillary Clinton said during the debate over Clinton care in the early 1990s, don't worry, we'll solve all those problems. Just trust us. That's their elitist attitude. We're so smart. We know so much. We're smarter than you are. We're certainly smarter than doctors and patients are. And we're going to make all those decisions and we'll make it all work. And, of course, what they do is wind up making things worse and having to pass mountains of regulations to try to make this, to, to, to dictate what everyone can do under what circumstances. And, of course, as you pointed out earlier, decide how much everybody's going to get paid for these services. Well, and even the first people who are going to set this up are not even elected by the citizens of Colorado. Uh, and I think even if I remember from the debate correctly that even if someone chooses to buy private health insurance outside of Colorado Care, that when they go to their doctor, the payment schedule has to be the same. So if you think you're going to buy insurance and become, you know, somehow more financially attractive or get around the, the weight lines that will inevitably come up, there's actually no way to do that because even if you buy the most expensive policy you can, uh, the rates that, that doctors get paid have to be the same as Colorado Care, true? And, so. you know, I think a lot of those details still will have to be worked out, but that's basically what they will do to try to make sure that everybody is in. And what they want to make sure is that somebody who's on Colorado Care is not disadvantaged by somebody who is on private insurance. But what we see in the U.K., we see in Australia, we see in, in, other, in other countries that people buy private insurance because they want to be able to have access to the care they cannot get through the public system. Or, in the case of Canadians, they come to the United States to get the care that they need because they can't get it in their own country. Where are people going to go in Colorado? As they said, they're going to go to other states where, where physicians can practice privately, where you can pay separately in a hospital for the care that you need to be able to buy private insurance. So they're basically saying, well, if you really need care, you can leave. Yeah. And if you leave, you're still on your own. 
because there's no way to cover it. What happens on the flip side? I don't remember hearing anything about this. And uh, and, and to be fair, I'm going to say this to the audience. This is an unrehearsed question. But uh, what? Um, All these questions are unrehearsed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but what happens if? Um, if somebody comes into Colorado, like, you know, we've gone skiing in Steamboat before, right? So you go skiing in one of their resorts, you break your leg or twist your knee. Um, what happens then? I mean, is your insurance You're good there? You're covered, too. You're covered, too. And actually, Linda Gorman made a point. She said, we're going to become, <clears throat> we're going to become a magnet for people right. to come into this state because if you claim you are a resident of Colorado, and that can be, you know, a utility bill, a rent payment, whatever, then you're covered. Whether or not you've paid all these taxes into this system or not is irrelevant. If you claim that you are a resident, it's a very fuzzy definition. Once again, we'll need regulations to define what that means. Then you're going to be covered by virtue of being in Colorado. Crazy. Okay, I'm going to play. This is the um, the other gentleman, um, not TR, but he was talking about the highlights of the plan. So I'm going to play this one, and we'll get your thoughts on this. Here we go. It's $30 billion that comes from Colorado families and firms um, paying for health care. Uh, and we said, how can we take that $30 billion that we're currently spending that we can afford to spend and find a more efficient system that will better suit the needs of Coloradans? And we came up with a plan, and it, it does uh, increase the benefits, uh, increase the coverage, um, and decrease the cost. It, it goes down to $25 billion instead of the $30 billion we currently spend. Um, it, it makes great improvements with that $25 billion, and I uh, uh, want to go through some of the highlights of how that works. One of the things is it covers everyone. We currently have over 350,000 Coloradans not covered with health insurance. Over 500, 535 are, are uh die every year from lack of health insurance. Coloradans dying every year from lack of access to health insurance where they could be cured and, and live longer. Uh, but this will cover everybody, uh, every Colorado resident. Uh, it eliminates all the insurance premiums you currently pay. It eliminates all the deductibles you currently pay. and eliminates most of the co-pays that you have to pay. And that, that comes up with a, a huge amount of that savings there. <laughs> Um, it also simplifies the healthcare system. It's really, you hear talk of a Medicare for All type system. This is very similar to Medicare for All. It's, it's that simple system where if you're uh, 65 and older, Medicare covers you. If you live in Colorado, Colorado Care covers you. So it's very simple. Eliminates this 20% waste, bureaucratic waste that we have in our current system. Over 20 cents of every dollar currently is wasted on bureaucracy. And we take that out, simplify the equation. We eliminate um, the threat of medical bankruptcy. And we join every other industrialized country in the world by guaranteeing access to quality health care to all of our um, Colorado residents. Uh, we so you, you remember hearing all that? Oh, absolutely. They said it over and over. And I just think that's why I ask people about the promises that were made for Obamacare. How did that work out, folks? How did all the, did, were they able to deliver on all those promises? And this nonsense about 20% of every healthcare dollar being wasted to bureaucracy. A lot of that goes to making sure that the, the doctors are paid and that, that we, that people have information about, 
about the healthcare system. It's not waste. It's really part of running the system, paying the bureaucrats, because there will be bureaucrats for Colorado Care to make sure that, that the people who run the system are paid. It is just so, the, the promises they make are so detached from reality. Yeah, it, it's all, it's sort of all emotionally driven versus intellectually driven. It seems right. to be sort of the common theme. But yeah, they, this, there's just a bunch of things about that little um, soundbite that kind of blew my mind. I think the biggest one, like you said, was the waste thing. So he's telling us that we're, by moving health care from the private sector to the government, that we're going to reduce waste. I mean, like you said, when did that ever happen? I mean, it's always, they always invoke this, you know, holy trinity of health care reform, that fraud, waste, and abuse, that they're just going to, with a wave of their hand, they're going to make this all disappear. But, you know, obviously, I, you know, there's no government program out there, whether it's health care or anything else, that has ever made that better, and usually it makes it worse. And they're, they're, they're just ignorant about the way that the system works. First of all, even if it were Medicare for all, 20 years ago, the president of the Mayo Clinic well, ask his staff to count the number of pages that the Mayo Clinic has to comply with to take a Medicare patient. And 20 years ago, there were 100,000 pages of regulation to run the Medicare program. Why do they think that if this is going to look like, like Medicare for all, that they're going to be able to run this without all the bureaucracy and the rules that wind up driving up the cost, lowering the quality of care, and ultimately rationing care? Well, I don't know where they get their numbers. I mean, where do they – well, let's just back up a little bit. Do they have a model? Uh, you know, and That's I don't a know really this. Good question, right? <laughs> What's where, the model where else that has it been tried? Yeah. nowhere. I mean, it's it's. I mean, they say, okay, we're spending thirty billion now. Colorado's spending thirty billion now. We're going to reduce that number to twenty five billion. I mean, where'd they get that number? I mean, you know, from from what they, they did have a study done, but it is very very questionable. And 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 they they are not going to tell you what the assumptions were that they made. But they're basically saying Colorado right now is spending thirty billion dollars a year on health care. We'll spend 25, and we'll be able to get you more care, better access to care. And people are believing them. That's why we have to have these debates to point out the ludicrousy and the lunacy. And what do you know about health care that should make you question these false promises? Where did they get the number? Uh, and this is just a rhetorical question, really. But where did they get the number that 535 Coloradans die a year from lack of access to care? I mean, I don't know how you how you come up with criteria. They probably did an extrapolation from that from the most from that recent really irresponsible study about how many people um, are dying in hospitals from medical mistakes and from other um, lack of care. But I also said, who are these people? Who the 300,000 Coloradans who don't have access to care? They could be on Medicaid. They could they could go into the Colorado ex, uh, Exchange under Obamacare. They can buy private insurance. They many of them likely have access to government to health insurance through their through their jobs. They're just not buying it. So the great majority, as we have found in other studies, of people who are uninsured, uninsured have other options. They choose to be uninsured. But here under Colorado Care. You're going to be forced to have health insurance, whether you like it or not, and you're going to have one choice, and that's Colorado Care. 
Well, and they create these images that this, you know, these these uninsured folks are sort of, you know, clawing at the locked door to the emergency room, that they're all dying on the sidewalk because they can't get care. And, you know, as, as you and I both know, and most people know, that anybody, you know, can show up to an ER and get care. So I don't know, you know, where they where they come up with this stuff. I mean, that, that, that medical bankruptcy is, is going to be eliminated. I mean, I just don't know where... You know, again, they they appeal to emotions rather than intellect. Um, we're we're at the end of the third segment. You are listening to the Doctors Lounge on America's Web Radio with special guest Grace Marie Turner. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Are your health insurance premiums going up? You are not alone. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org to understand why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. This is Grace Marie Turner, President of the Galen Institute. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. You are in the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. This is your host, Dr. Mike Karuchak. Thanks very much for being with us today with special guest Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. Uh, and we were continuing to discuss this single-payer proposal in the state of Colorado. This, you know, at a nationwide level, this may get uh, sort of below the radar if you're not a Coloradan. But uh, there's this very important measure going on there. This very important uh, question that will be on the ballot in November. Uh, you know, after you pick your presidential candidate and vote there and vote for all the local politicians and state politicians, there will be one more item on the Colorado ballot, which will be Amendment 69, I guess, for lack of a better term. But this is a uh, something that will change the Constitution of the state of Colorado to create a single-payer health insurance system. And uh, I've been talking with special guest Grace Marie Turner about this. Um, I forget exactly where we were. I think we were talking about all of the empty promises this thing uh, uh, puts out and, and that, uh, you know, they, they love to appeal to your heart, um, but this stuff just doesn't work. It never has. It's all about money, you know, and I think it's really important to talk about why, why are they doing this? This is about political power. It is. A, it's always about political power, and and it's about making sure that people who um, who have an agenda that the, the private sector is evil, the profit motive is evil, are driven out, and that that people are able to make decisions about something that they basically have very little experience in doing. And, and one of the examples I used were the co-ops. Colorado 
also set up its own co-op, which has now gone under. There are only seven co-ops of the 23 that got started. Every state was supposed to have one. Congress pulled the plug when they saw what was happening with these programs on any additional funding, but but $2.6 billion was spent on setting up co-ops. They are all faltering, and most are failing. Can you explain to the listeners exactly how a co-op works? My poorly educated impression is that it is sort of a microcosm of a single-payer system. Well, it, but it's, it's maybe a give public some option that the Democrats now are going all in for, basically saying we're going to have a health plan not run by health insurance companies, but by citizens, by consumers, that will put patients' interests first. They got $2.6 billion in taxpayer money in loans to get started, unlike a private health insurance company that has to go to the public to get money in order to um, or to set up a health insurance company. They've got taxpayer money. They set up these, these organizations that were supposed to operate like a private health insurance company to compete with the private plans. They said they would be able to offer better service at lower cost with more access because they didn't have to make a profit. Well, guess what? They didn't know what they were doing. They have cost taxpayers all that money is just down the drain. We're never going to get that back. And they basically failed. Over and over, state health insurance, the insurance commissioner shut them down because they were not able to pay bills. And doctors and hospitals around the country are having to, to basically take losses because the insurance companies overpromised. They undercharged in many cases on their premiums. And they are not paying the bills of their of the of the um, the patients that were subscribed to their plans incurred. So that's what they now want to do on steroids with Colorado Care. So there was another part of this debate that I want to touch on and, and highlight a little bit, and I don't have a soundbite to exactly focus upon it. But you know, every time there is a big government supporter that is trying to push another big government plan, there's always a mention of how much we spend per capita on health care compared to other countries. We're the only developed country that doesn't offer a single-payer system, and for all the money we spend – our healthcare performance, you know, the, the the quality of the product the system delivers, is poor. And although in in this particular debate that I watched the other night, uh, where you guys were out at Steamboat, um, you know, they didn't mention the usual things about infant mortality and life expectancy and all this kind of stuff. But they did mention a study I think that came out of New York or something, um, and and they sort of make this vague reference to poor performance on metrics. Uh, and you guys rebutted that argument pretty well. You want to highlight that a little bit? Well, they, they so often they they cite the World Health Organization study that shows yes. that the United States is 37th in the world in health care. Well, then why is it that when people want the best care in the world, they come to the United States? I just was, I spent much of the last week and a half at Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore with a close friend who had a kidney transplant. The care she received was absolutely extraordinary. She, it was everybody from the surgeons down to the people that were bringing her her meals. Everybody was absolutely 
superb. And this, my friend is a physician, so she knows. You know, she went to the best system, the best um, hospital for this treatment in the world. So what they are basically saying is that we're 37th in the world. Well, what they say is, does their, their metrics and what are the considerations? Is everybody treated the same? Well, if you're treated the same if once you get into the hospital, if you need a kidney transplant, my friend, my friend got exactly the same care that somebody else would get if they were there on Medicaid. But the, 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 the quality of care could be reduced and have everybody receive the same and everybody being treated the same, and therefore we would have a higher metric. Is it publicly funded? That was one of the metrics. Not the quality of care. Not are we providing more medicines than all than many other countries, that most other developed countries combined. Are we providing the best new <clears throat> surgical treatments and the, have the best educated physicians? No, that's not what they care about. They care about equality, not quality. Well, and, and they also ignore some of the basic science that goes into life expectancy and infant mortality. I mean, life expectancy is not a function of how the healthcare system performs. It is a function of lifestyle and genetics and your diet and, you know, a lot of other things that the healthcare system has absolutely no control over. That's right. And so to turn around and make life expectancy a metric by which you measure the healthcare system, uh, none of that makes any sense. I think there's a study that looked at, you know, they compared Japan to America, right? And you've probably heard this one. I mean, that, that Japanese Americans who live in America, you know, supposedly victims of our terrible healthcare system, have the same life expectancy as Japanese folks who live in Japan. So that means it's not the healthcare system that's the controlling uh, element. It's actually the, the genetics and the lifestyle and the diet that you bring with you. That's right. And so, I mean, once again, it, I do hope that the voters of Colorado and anybody else that thinks that all these utopian promises really could be kept will look at the results and look and take a detailed look like Vermont did to really think about what's this going to do to the economy of the state, what, it's, what is it going to do to access to care, is it going to drive physicians away. We actually talked after the uh, debate with Hadley Heath, who's with the, I'm so sorry, the Independent Women's um, Forum, whose husband is a resident in Colorado. She said, if this passes, we're not going to set up practice here in Colorado. No. My husband will leave. The, the best physicians will leave and flee to another, another state. Hopefully there will be other states where people can be able, they can be able to get a fair return for their investment in, in years and sometimes decades of medical training to be able to provide the quality of care that Americans expect. Well, I'm going to play the last of the three sound bites that I have, which talks about how the tax that they're going to pass, the multiple taxes they're going to pass to pay for this, aren't really taxes. Uh, and and this is kind of the this is this takes the cake in terms of the three sound bites we've got. The highest income taxes in the country. I think it's debatable, but let's say we do. We'll also have the lowest health insurance premiums in the country, namely zero because you'll be paying for it on the payroll tax. Uh, And to call it a new tax is just simply wrong, because we are paying now for health insurance. We're paying out-of-state insurance companies, over whom we have zero control, $30 billion, and they're raising it, 17% next year. Uh, Colorado Care costs $25 billion. It's a lot of money. 
it's less than what we're paying now. So it's not a new tax. It's, in fact, a saving. Here's how it's going to work. Uh, it's a payroll withholding tax, 3.3% for the worker and 6.7% for the employer. Uh, an individual who's both who's self-employed will pay 10%, which is the standard for all payroll deduction taxes. For almost everybody, that's cheaper. Median income family of four in Colorado this year is paying 8% of income for health insurance premiums. Ours is going to cost them 3.3%. Employers that are providing health insurance, according to the Colorado Business Group on Health, are paying on average 12% of payroll for health insurance and for the medical part of workman's comp. We cover both of them for 6.7%. Yes, an individual entrepreneur like me is going to pay 10%, but that's less than those of us who have to buy individual insurance plans are paying for now. For just about everybody in Colorado, this is a significant saving. So to say it's a new tax is just misleading. It's actually a saving. Yeah, you'll pay more tax, you'll pay sharply less health insurance, and you'll come out ahead. Just do the arithmetic. <laughs> yeah, this, when I do the arithmetic, I come up with a slightly different conclusion. What do you think? Well, and of course, that's not all. That's not the only place that are going to be getting money for this plan. Exactly. And what happens when they realize, oh, sorry, that wasn't enough. We actually need 20%. And remember, this is on top of the payroll taxes you're paying now for Medicare and Social Security. So it's another 10% coming out of your paycheck. And there's this somehow thinking that we're going to be, they're going to be able to get more, everybody's going to have access to all the care they need from any physician, any hospital, any time, any place, and it's going to cost less. How does that work? That's what they told us with Obamacare. Exactly. And this is now, they're making even more promises on Obamacare. Wake up, people. Politicians well, make promises they can't keep, and then you're, you're stuck with them. Right, and then there's there's no going back through that door. And there's so many lies in that little speech. I mean, you know, this whole concept that it's only going to cost 3.6% payroll tax for the employee. Well, the employer is paying the rest, and the bottom line is that, you know, the employee ends up paying all of that either directly or right. indirectly. Oh, you know, you true. take it out of the pay they, – they, they're going to take it out of people's paychecks so they can pay their share of the payroll tax. So saying you're going to save going from X down to 3.6 is a lie. You know, this whole thing that it's not really a tax – no, hello, it's a tax. If you don't pay it, you go to jail, just like you guys said. Um, Grace Marie, we're at the end of the hour. Thanks very much for being with us. You have been listening to The Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.